0: And gentlemen welcome to source material my name is jesse starcher tonight we are discussing this is tied for the most issues that we have covered in one span on Source Material. Just to let you guys know, we have a returning guest who was actually on the aforementioned first 14-parter that we did right here on Source Material. Well, let's go ahead. I'm going to run down the guests that have joined me. As always, my good buddy Ronnie Adams from the Screaming Boy Podcast. Sir, how are you doing this evening? What's up?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm ready to talk some Planet Hulk tonight. I'm. Uh, this is my first journey, like I said, into this storyline, so I can't wait to discuss it with you guys and tell our listeners all about it. Mark Radlich, bringing the tunes as always. And I we're touching on one of your favorite superheroes in the Marvel Universe, the Incredible Hulk. Mark Radlich, you ready to talk about Planet Hulk?
2: Yeah, this has the dubious honor of being one of the few arcs I've read more than once. Uh, I had this on my Kindle. I went out and rebought it as a paper trade. Planet Hulk is a story arc that has somehow been inserted into the new Thor Ragnarok movie. That's why I suggested it to, suggested as in quotes, suggested it to um, Jesse Starcher. So I'm excited to talk about this. It, it really, it, I mean, people seem to think that like if if the Hulk was ever going to have his own solo movie again, like this should be what it is. And I, I tend to differ. I think there are some other Hulk storylines that you could make into movies, like the Spy Who Smashed Me, as I told you guys about. Mm-hmm. But. It is one of the most popular Hulk stories ever. It's beloved. I told somebody at work about it today, and even she, who is not a comic book person, was like, hell yeah, that sounds pretty cool.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, returning guest, one of the men that got me into podcasting, his name is Jason Teasley. And Teasley, do you remember the 14-part story arc that me and you discussed a long, long time ago?
3: How can I forget Maximum Carnage? It's my favorite arc of all time.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right.
3: Me, me, you, and Benjamin J. Cologne.
0: That's right. We sat down and discussed uh, all about Venom, Carnage, Spider-Man, and that whole gang of Marvel superheroes that came together to try and thwart Carnage. That was a lot of fun. Are you ready to talk about Incredible Hulk, though, tonight?
3: I'm about as prepared as anyone could be in an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, the good thing is I, I don't have to do a whole lot tonight other than, you know, read from my synopsis that I created. I'm putting that in quotes because I, I stole a lot. Like I said, started in April of 2006, ran, I think, until June of 2007. Like I said, 14 parts. So I'm going to do the synopsis. I think we got Teasley coming in with the talking point at the end of the first synopsis. Uh, I'm going to basically talk about the first four issues. Teasley hops in, then I'll do the next four issues. And I believe it's Ronnie's turn, and then next four issues, Mark's turn, and then we'll talk about the two-part ending. Uh, and we'll, we'll we can rock it right through this because my synopsis shouldn't take too long. You guys ready? Yeah, let's get it on. All yeah, right, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about the creative team first. All right, we got the writer, guy by the name of Greg Pock. I'm only Greg Pock or Pack, however you want to say it there. All right, he's he's been in the comic book business for a little bit. 2006 was not too long after he actually got started. He was apparently writing for Marvel in 2004 signed an exclusive deal with them in July of 2005 uh, he's wrote titles such as Warlock uh, Iron Man the aforementioned and the aftermentioned Incredible Hulk so he's he's got his hands uh, it, it's fun to read this as it is an early work of his he did a tremendous job uh, and we have the artist on the on these uh on these issues There's a guy by the name of Carlo Pago Paglion okay he's Filipino not too much on the wiki for him uh, we have I'm just going to read what I mean there's like two sentences here uh, he began his career in the comics business with a three page sequential dark horse for for, for, for dark horse comics ric- written by Doug Petrie to aid the victims of the 9-11 attacks and as a tribute to the fallen World Trade Center Twin Towers uh, he has since had assignments from a, from a few publishers including Electra and the Incredible Hulk so it doesn't sound like he's been he did a whole lot and matter of fact has been bibliography is pretty small when you look at it so maybe he i mean they say he has a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering so maybe he found a better job somewhere (laughs) you never know but there you go so there's our creative team coming in here to planet hulk now planet hulk starts out this is shortly after civil war isn't it ronnie
1: is it no. after civil war? No, it's be- or is it during before before okay all right so civil war happened while he was off planet away. yeah okay
0: all right so the illuminati uh and i'm gonna try my best i'm i'm, I'm going right off my memory here who the illuminati that's a, that is not the actual illuminati that's going through your brains right now with the triangle in the eye no the There was a, not a team, but a a group of Marvel mainstays who were known as the Illuminati. And that was, okay. It was Uh,
1: Iron Man, Reed Richards, Professor X, Dr. Strange. Dr. Strange. um, Black Panther, Black Bolt, I think was in there.
2: Black Bolt was definitely in there.
1: Yeah, he was in there. Yeah. And am I missing anybody, Mark?
2: Nope. Uh, I believe that was
0: everybody. Yeah, Black Bolt
1: was, yeah, he rounded everybody. Oh, Namor.
0: Oh, Namor, yep. Okay, so the Illuminati get together and they did come up with a plan because the Hulk has been a destructive force, <laughs> destructive force on the Earth for quite a while. And their plan is to get Hulk, lure him onto a ship, and shoot that ship straight into outer space and get <laughs> Incredible Hulk off of the planet. They're, they're tired of having to deal with the mess that he causes. And their intent was to send him to an uninhabited planet and if anybody knows much about the incredible Hulk, the only thing he wants is to be left alone. So that was their way of attempting to fulfill his wish. And of course, benefit in the fact that they don't have to worry about cleaning up his mess after uh, he goes on a rampage somewhere. Well, sending him out into space, they intend, the intent to get him to that planet is derailed by a wormhole.
2: He's knocked out. He wakes up. The message plays. He goes fucking crazy and starts tearing apart the ship. That causes the ship to go off course, and it goes through the wormhole. So
0: the wormhole grabs a ship, takes him through. The ship ends up crash landing onto uh, an inhabited planet by the name of Sakar. When he lands on Sakar, he's actually in a weakened state. The inhabitants find him. There's this empire. And the subjects of this empire find him and actually sell the Hulk into slavery.
2: Without getting into all of like the the various like personalities of Banner and all this other stuff, what you need to understand is the Hulk has been fairly intelligent for years now. He was able to participate in the Avengers and the Defenders, and he's gone to the Microverse. This uh, this iteration of the Hulk, well, again, not. No, he's not the professor, he's not Doc Green, and he's not that dog in the background. (laughs) He's still intelligent enough to make his own decisions. And again, you know, the Hulk kind of takes, what do you call it? Um, In the new Ragnarok movie, I was reading an article where where, um, Mark Ruffalo said, it was like, you know, it used to be the Hulk and Banner both had their hands on the steering wheel. Now it's kind of like the Hulk keeps Banner in the trunk.
1: <laughs> mm, that's
0: thought.
2: kind of the way that's kind of the way things are at the top of the story because the, what, what initially he didn't get hurt into the ship if you read the prelude to planet hulk he was like in vancouver basically hiding out trying to stay away from the world yeah and they sent They asked him to go up, and like Shield asked him to go up and do this mission in space. The Illuminati took that opportunity to ship him to outer, you know, to the far off reaches of space, uh, off Earth, is what happened. So, like, he was intelligent. The Hulk was intelligent enough to be able to complete a mission for Shield.
0: Okay. Now, at this time, at this point in time, as he's on this planet, the Hulk remains the Hulk, okay? There's no sign of Banner throughout this story, uh, except for one instance, which is, uh, it happens in the middle, but it's only for a brief second, if not just one panel. Uh, However... So, okay, the Hulk is now, like I said, in this weakened state, he's sold into slavery uh, in order to compete in an arena for the entertainment against other slaves, all for the enjoyment of the Emperor, the Red King and his people. Now, in order to keep him under control, the Emperor had him and other slaves implanted with what they call an obedience disc that shocks them into submission. Now, trial after trial, the Hulk survives and makes a few friends along the way. And I'm going to do my best to kind of describe who these friends are. We have Korg, who is this massive rock like being, similar, I would say, to the size of the Hulk. Big dude, big dude. Uh, We have an alien being just called Brood. Uh, I first heard of the Brood from the X Men titles. Mm -hmm. Uh, Alien like, I don't know. I don't know if they have wings. Uh, I can't remember if they have wings or not, but the big sharp teeth, scary looking, you know, scary looking uh, scales, scaly. You know, alien. Uh, we have a pink skin native by the name of Ski, a gray skinned shadow warrior by the name of. I'm gonna do this. I, I'm gonna do my best here. Heroim. Uh We also have a native by the name of Elo, who's uh, in the in the arena with Hulk and them as well. And Hulk's first friend that he made during the arena battle, uh, a four armed bug like creature. Yeah. A guy by the name of. I'm gonna pronounce it as Meek. How's that? Are you guys gonna call him Mike? Nope. Okay, we're gonna call him. I'm gonna call him
3: Mike. I so, be of like course Mike. you would. I want to be, want to be like Mike.
0: <laughs> I want to call him Jeff. Jeff.
3: Uh, My name is Jeff.
0: All right. So anyway, yeah. Meek, forearm bug-like creature. Kind of reminds me of Jar Jar Binks, just a little bit more ferocious.
1: Oh, so you mean he ruined the whole entire series? He didn't
0: ruin the whole entire series. No, he did not.
3: Jar Jar Binks is the most evil Sith Lord there is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Ah, uh, so in response to this, in response to the fact that, uh, you know, the Red King uh, that sees the Hulk, you know, prevail, he institutes a new plan, and that's to put the Hulk and his band of warrior friends into servitude to entertain the Empire, again, by making the Hulk and the others face multiple threats over and over. And by the second issue, word has gotten around of Hulk's apparent bravery and strength and inspired has inspired some Rebels to seek his assistance. When the Rebels show up, the Hulk plainly rejects joining them and and says... No way. No, thank you. And not too long after the Hulk was approached by the rebellion, a, a lieutenant to the emperor, a female by the name of here we go, Kyra. I'm just going to go with that is also uh, also shows up <clears throat> and she's like the shadow bodyguard. Uh, not if you look at her and you look at Heroim, they're they're of the same species, I guess you would say. But anyway, she shows up and she's asking the Hulk for, look, come with us. You know, work for the Empire. Don't be a slave anymore. And he's like, no, thank you. I've heard that before. She promises him peace. You know, you can go out into the steps, a place of peace, and nobody will bother you. And he's like, no, thanks. No, thanks. Uh, Obviously, her intent is to get the Hulk to go with them. That way, there would be less dissent amongst the the Empire's people. Now, without without the Hulk's allegiance, the next arena battle was sabotaged by the Red King, who decided to drop a large-ass bomb right on top of them. (laughs) Uh, along with, you know, without regard for the people that were in the arena or the participants. And the Hulk was able to jump up, grab it, and detonate the bomb above the arena, seemingly sacrificing himself above the stadium, saving its people. Now, still alive, the Hulk... Uh, is sort of enraged, but the Emperor's men are able to subdue him and his band of surviving warriors again. Now, while mourning over the loss of Ski, the Shadow Warrior Heroim decides to make a pack amongst them all, and they soon become the Warbound. After this horrific display in the arena, the Emperor has one more trick up his sleeve. He is going to institute an arena fight against a recently captured powerful being known as the Silver Savage. And we learn that This is, in actuality, the Silver Surfer. Now, during the ferocious battle that ends when the Silver Surfer is knocked unconscious, Silver Surfer's obedience disc is destroyed. Now, the stipulations of this battle were that if the Warbound beat the Silver Surfer, their freedom would be granted. However, a twist occurs, believe it or not, when Kyra shows up and states that their freedom will be granted provided they kill some traitors first. And they bring the traitors forth. One of those traitors is ELO, who was recently captured during the Rebel invasion. What a twist! What a twist! The Warbound refuse; they're not going to kill one of their friends. Just as the Emperor raises his w- their wands to activate the obedience discs, the discs all explode off of off of Hulk and the rest of their uh, the participants. Thanks to the Silver Surfer and the Power Cosmic. Now being freed, the Warbound escape the arena and head to the woodlands outside of the town. <coughs> After the fray, the Silver Surfer offers to take the Hulk back to Earth. But the Hulk declines, since now he feels very much at home on Sekov. All right, there it is five-minute recap of the first four issues teasley what you did you have something you like did you have something you didn't like questions what What? what's your um, thoughts man
3: well well we'll start with the i didn't have much to say about the first issue except you get to see like toward the end when they're they're getting taken to the um i guess it's the gladiator training ground mm-hmm. you get to see like in the last couple panels you get to see the the savage hawk the one that enjoys the chaos and the fighting and everything that because you know his friend is like spazzing out you know all worried and everything and he just looks up and says this is going to be fun (laughs) I mean that's the that's that's what I took out the first one first issue because you get like you're setting up, you're you know, you're kind of setting the tone for the, the four issues that I'm covering. Uh the second is more I liked it because it goes into like you get to see the band of merry misfits that they, they become. Um, kind of joining forces, the because they they actually have to fight together, and none of them really want to be a team and kind of watch each other's back, but they always they know that eventually they're going to have to fight together, and then may have to turn on each other. Mm-hmm. What was great about the third issue? Uh, I think it was in the third issue. Uh, is the this the uh, on the link you sent me? It's got the throwback um, when they're giving their all their backstories. It's got the throwback to the old um Drawing style when the guys talk the the rock guys talking about how oh, he yeah, encountered yeah, they, I know you encountered about. a human and it ends up being Thor and he says that at a young age he encountered this this person that you know vanquished his uh, the entire army leaving him and one other alive he said he was a god among us or something along those lines and it's in a store Mm -hmm. and you know and i really like i love the background that it gave in that issue i mean it it showed the character depth you start getting a little sympathetic and a little bit more involved in the characters once you get those little backstories i mean because the first two issues i was like okay this is going to be they're setting something up you know for these characters not to really be a force they're going to have you know i was reading it because i went into it as a blank slate I, so i was kind of following the narrative of yeah they're going to have to be together but they're going to have to turn on each other too just mm-hmm. like they they thought getting the feel for the backstory and caring about the characters I kind of, I kind of really like the fourth issue. Well, the third, the end of the third issue, I messaged you on this, Jesse. And, <laughs> and the fourth issue, I was like, I mean, this is one of the first times in a long time that I have been genuinely shocked something I'm reading in a comic book. And I messaged Jesse, I go, "Holy balls! It's the Silver Surfer." He's like, "Yep." He's like, "Yep, it is." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I, you know that that added a whole new layer to me reading it because, like I said. I'm reading this for the first time. I mean, I have the DVD here, and I've never like really sat down to watch took time to sit down to watch it. so reading it now it makes me want to go watch the the DVD and yeah. I, I had that I had that I guess that childlike nostalgia back when I started first reading comics, and I look forward you know as anybody has listened to me on here before knows that maximum carnage is what got me into becoming a comic book person because Mm -hmm. I started, I started reading it. And if you don't, if you haven't go back and listen to me, Jesse and Benjamin, Jake alone, cover it in the archive. Um, But (laughs) it gave me the childlike nostalgia of now I want to read the story, the continue reading the story because I generally am interested in it. I'm invested in the characters. I'm invested in the storyline. And everything, and these four issues help set that up. It kind of, it kind of took me a little bit by surprise how the the Silver Surfer twist, and how he kept how the Hawk remembers meeting him for the first time, saying that you know I seen you, and I just wanted to grab you out of the air and beg you to take me away somewhere where I could be at peace and. The Silver Surfer says, well, I can do that now. And he goes, no, I kind of feel like I I found where I need to be. Yeah, it it was a nice little twist because he told Silver Surfer upon their first encounter, he wanted to get away from everything. And Silver Surfer says, well, you know, I know that I know that now I didn't know that then, but I know it now. So I can give you that piece now. It's basically saying I can give you everything you've ever wanted. And the betrayal that the Hulk has had with those same words, he's leery and he's formed a bond with this band, the Misfits.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: So that's what I liked about the first four issues.
2: I just watched the Planet Hulk uh, DVD, the the Planet Hulk movie. There are some stark differences between the Planet Hulk storyline and that. Not to, you know, Meek plays a huge part of this. I guess we'll talk about that at some point tonight. You know, the role Meek plays in both the development of the story and you know he really has like his own agenda throughout this i mean he's out to kill the, the uh the pink skins and that doesn't come into play at all oh, <laughs> during the movie uh-huh. yeah, yeah like really does. his character is really minima- minimized to the point where there was almost no point in having him there um you know it's the, the planet hulk movie it's it's okay but they cut out a lot of a lot of what makes the story interesting. I mean, they just kind of left it as Hulk shows up, Hulk fights, Hulk gets his freedom. You know, it's worth watching, but it doesn't really do the best job of doing the whole storyline justice. Okay. Silver Surfer pop up?
0: No. No. It,
2: oh, <laughs> I?
1: kidding. No, they, they, do, they do that
2: bit. But they don't use the Silver Surfer. They use a different character.
1: I want
3: to tell you who it is.
2: Okay, well, don't don't yeah, don't spoil it.
0: Teasley um, hasn't watched it. I don't want to.
3: spoil No, it. you can tell me it because I'm more. If if it's a start difference from it's the ba- book... it's, it's Barry
2: Bill.
0: Oh really?
3: Yeah.
2: Oh, that's different, huh? Yeah, he beats the he beats the fuck out of Horseface, man. He really. Uh, <laughs> well,
3: oh, what what sir? Sarah Jessica Parker got to do with this? <laughs> Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I was just looking at. I, I, what did I do? I hopped on, I hopped on here just to see if I could find some Hulk Silver Surfer battles that's happened in the past. I think they've met in the past, clearly, but I don't know if they've ever really like straight up fought like they have in this arena.
2: Well, <laughs> they were contemporary the defenders.
0: Well, you know, like the fourth uh, hit down on Google is a post that completely says the Silver Surfer would absolutely annihilate the Hulk. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's got the power of Cosmic and, and, and all that. I don't know if that's maybe why they went. I doubt it. They probably just wanted to throw in some spice into the DVD or the movie itself. But you know, Hulk beating the crap out of the Silver Surfer, like I mean, it was a good battle. Don't get me wrong.
2: And I don't well, know they if they make a they make a point to say that that anyone that comes through that wormhole is severely weakened. That's true. And it takes a you know, and it takes a while for them to regain their strength. And the Hulk, I think, mm-hmm. regains his. Regains his strength faster than than others because he's the Hulk, and he ju- and he happens to be able to regenerate and get stronger that much faster.
3: Do you think that they substituted Silver Surfer out of the animated movies simply due to licensing regions, reasons? Yeah, considering I, that or Fox guarantee has, you they did. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, Fox owns um, the Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer, so I mean, does does a show like Reed Richards and all that in the beginning of the movie? it uh,
1: shows like Iron Man. It just shows yeah. a few of them. So, so um, you well, know what? It shows Iron Man and then a
2: bunch of silhouettes. <laughs>
1: so, I mean, I, I'm
3: going to guess your it's
2: imagination.
3: Li- I'm going to guess it's licensing reasons that yeah. they—that's why they went that route. They didn't—they couldn't get the license licensing agreement from Fox allow them to include silver surfer and be you know stay true to source material
0: hey that's right you know two points on what you were talking about there earlier teasley i just want to kind of bring up i guess number one you know you talked about the point where hulk said uh okay i'm just going to stick around here there is the hulk is so twofold yeah i want to be left alone don't bother me but what does the hulk do best he fights and he smashes and I wonder if the reason that he wanted to stick around was because he was loving what he was doing on that planet. And I, I think you know, at one point, you know, when he looked at the end looked out from the, the cell or whatever he was in, when he goes, Yeah, this is going to be fun. I think he loves being on <coughs> this in this place and, and the challenge that are being brought forth to him. And then, you know, going off to a, a, a planet of uninhabited or to where you're just you're just gonna be left alone to me i could tell you right now just myself that wouldn't be very much fun
3: the hulk is a manifestation of a personality that was deep inside banner that was released basically his rage mm-hmm. but do you think that there's a sliver that does want that piece but the majority of the Hulk's psyche means that he needs he needs the the chaos the violence and everything so he has purpose
2: well i don't think hulk had any challenges left on earth and everywhere he went, he destroyed things. And, you know, this is the first time Hulk's been... Ch- when was the last time Hulk was in chains? Yeah. You know, they, they put him in chains that are made of this material that he can't break. He's got this obedience disc on. This is the first... I mean, part of the reason they did the Planet Hulk storyline, I think, was they'd overpowered the Hulk to the point where he had no challenges left. It was why they did, like, the Future of Perfect storyline and why they've you know, done different things with him up to this point, because it was like, what do you do with a monster who, you know, can crack the planet in half, literally? So they put him on another planet and they just got him off of Earth entirely. And they made it so that he could be challenged. You know, it's the old wrestling type. Everyone take a drink. <laughs> um, it's, it's the old wrestling thing. You know, your overpowered good guy doesn't sell tickets. He has to fight from underneath. Yeah, you, you have to give him a challenge.
3: Okay. So basically, they needed Hawk needed a purpose, thus the chaos and war and the fighting. They needed to make the Hawk feel like he still had a purpose to be in the comics. So they had to challenge, yes. it, thus taking him to a different, a different territory. Yeah, see, I'll slip a ref, wrestling reference in as well. A uh, different, a different uh, surroundings. Therefore, they can uh, use because I mean, you in space, you have a vast array of imagination to create creatures that could challenge the Hulk. Uh, like you said, on earth, he became such a dominant force that he, he, he was pretty much the end all be all dominant figure in the comic book universe. So.
0: All right. Se- a second thing. And I, I want to get Ronnie in on this discussion here real quick, Ronnie. Yeah. Who's your favorite other than the Hulk? Who's your favorite of the Warbound?
1: bound? <sighs> Probably the Rock dude, Cor- Korg. Korg. Yeah, that's
0: a good pick. I think I would have went there too.
1: I would have went there too.
2: Can I um, offer you a little bit of trivia? Sure. Here. Korg and his people were actually in one of the Thor movies. Really? I did not know that. Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, in it the was Dark World was it? Yep, it was in the Dark World.
0: Huh. Very cool. Very cool. Well, let's continue, Monks, you know, as we continue through this journey on Planet Hulk. Get my notes here. So, yeah, Teasley, we talked about Exile. Now we're getting into a four-issue story arc called Anarchy. Uh, So during the the Hulk's stay on Sakaar, so far, there has been a telling of a legend by the name of the Sakar Sun, destined to save the planet. And also, there's a, a legend of what they call the World Breaker, who's destined to destroy it. And it is believed that the Hulk may be one of those legends. Now, meanwhile, plants are actually growing. When I say plants, I'm talking about vines growing from the spilled blood left by the Hulk in the sands of the Great Arena. And slaves around are beginning to rejoice. Now Meek, the four-armed bug of the Warbound, undergoes a transformation after revisiting a village that his hive and father were slaughtered at years before. The other members of the Hulk's crew advise Meek to let the old crimes go in order to try and form new allies against the Empire. However, Meek demands justice and engages in battle with the village headman. Meek even cuts off one of his own arms to get the upper hand, but he could not deliver the death blow and allows the headman to live. Shortly after the battle, Hulk's team discovers that the villagers were actually hiding Meek's surviving many brothers deep underground, and they were using his brothers as slaves. This obviously enrages Meek, and now freed, the Hivelings all hail Meek as their hero. And the Hulk and his crew, in retaliation, actually destroyed the village for, as retribution. Meanwhile, the Emperor's shadow bodyguard, Lieutenant Kyra, the Old Strong, begins to bear witness to the insanity of the Red King as she watches him slaughter citizens who are beginning to believe more and more in the green scar. That's the nickname they got going around for the Hulk. The Emperor calls for the Hulk's head and orders Kyra to bring it to him. Hulk fears that his his capacity for destruction has reached its apex and prepares to actually leave the war bound. He feels that like he's better off left to, to, to leave them alone while he's left alone as well. Meek, who has been newly transformed into a giant hive king, levels his spear determined to make the Hulk stay. They battle. They tussle. And as the Hulk gets the upper hand and begins to swing a devastating blow, Korg, the great rock warrior, steps up and takes the blow to stop the fight. The team then split into two, with the Hulk apparently accepting his savage destiny, traveling with Meek and Elo to fight the Emperor's forces, while Korg and Hyroim lead the the refugees into the steppes to escape into a land of peace. Back on Imperial territory, Kyra catches up with the Hulk, and a great battle ensues kyra welded her earth-shattering old powers and their clash sent earthquakes as far as the steps but their final confrontation was interrupted by the arrival of a horrifying enemy from the past known as the spikes and that's where we leave uh, anarchy and ronnie adams man stuff starting to hit the fan kyra and the hulk they're getting into fisticuffs yep uh, so what, what's your thoughts here man
1: one thought was uh, the only thing I could think of. You know, during you know uh, the whole gladiator thing was do you like gladiator movies, Joey? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you always seen The grown man naked? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: the main thing that I want to point out the sim- the similarities between this and Spartacus okay because he rises up and becomes a hero to these people when all he wants to do is just live you know and it, it, there's really no reason for him to be there he's he's imprisoned wrongly and, and has to stay there and and that's that's what caught my whole attention beforehand was the fact that it, it, there were so many correlations to the story of Spartacus in this so far, I mean, through the whole thing, the the whole book, the first, you know, the first part of it and, and this has, it has kept me truly intrigued. So I, I, I've enjoyed every, you know, I, I enjoyed reading. I enjoyed going back through it and everything. I, I don't have much to say other than that.
0: <laughs> what do you think of the spikes, dude? You want to do your best to kind of describe what the spikes are?
1: That, that's a hard one. because, Well, it, it's almost like um, it's almost like a virus a plant that just, you know, works its way into its host uh, What's a parasite. Yeah. And um, then, then unfortunately it does work its way out. So <laughs> these things are
0: nasty. I mean, yeah. I, I put here at the end to make sure I describe what these guys, what the spikes were. I mean, we are, we have the emperor and, and his threat, uh, but these spikes show up and they are ravenous, uh, to where, I mean, they just take over. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of a good analog, like in film, uh, almost kind of, like, I don't want to call it the blob. because no. the blob, it's not, yeah, one. I was,
1: I was trying to think of the, of one too. And I, I really couldn't.
0: Yeah. It, these things, um, I guess, just like you said, they inhabit the person and then they become like this malformed image of what they were. Yeah. Uh, and so it just continues to populate and propagate its army as it goes out and transforms, Uh, many others into
3: They're kind of like zombies.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. There's a bite and then they turn into a zombie and it just continues to create more. And there, the plant thing is, I I think important. You you mentioned that one of the, I think one of the ways that they try to fight these things off is with fire. Apparently this, uh, you know, this is, that's one defense against the spikes, but it's, I said, it's a, an enemy from the past. the, The land hasn't seen these spikes in quite a while. So when they show up, it's, it you know it, it's it's a bad omen. Number one that these spikes have shown up, and how are they going to fight them? That's that's obviously the big question that we have. It's clear. I don't know if it's at the end of the fourth issue of Anarchy or if it starts in this next series. But we learned that Kyra had a history with these things where her her village or her her people were killed by these spikes and she was lucky enough to live uh so she's got a bit of a history with these things too so let's go into uh the next four parts which is allegiance now these issues by the way ladies and gentlemen i don't think i said this at the beginning these uh this story takes place over incredible hulk 92 through 105, I want to say 92. Through, yeah, it
3: started at 92. 92, like first one. Yeah, Ex- Exile One was 90, issue 92.
0: Okay, all the way up to issue 105. Uh, so we're and he, like I said, each one's divided into four parts, three four-part stories, and then a two-part at the end. So we're in the we're in the pretty close, gaining close to the climax and the ending act here with Allegiance. <gasps> So Meek rescues a queen of his species. This is something that kind of happens before the spikes hit. He he rescues a queen of his species. Now I want you to think of who Meek I, I want to make sure our listeners understand what Meek is. He's, he is definitely like a bug, a bug. There's hives involved in a species and all this. And there's a queen uh, that gives birth. At, uh, I, I'm sure like hundreds or thousands of eggs. Anyway, he rescues this queen of his species. And it's the, one of the last of his species alive. Uh, and, and he rescues him from again, some villagers, some pink skinned villagers that actually had enslaved her and were eating her eggs. Now, when the spikes arrive, she becomes infected, and Meek has to make the tough decision to actually kill her, damning his own species to extinction. Meanwhile, Hulk's army then split again as Meek and Elo head for Crown City, while Hulk kyra and heroim the two shadow people travel with hulk across the sands to seek out the elders of the shadow people in the hope that they would aid in their battle against the emperor now while at the elders the hulk reveals his true intention was to actually grab a great stone ship which he then used to defeat the red king's imperial forces what was so important about that ship it contained the leaders of the infectious spikes hulk relied on meek's and broods kemming powers this is used throughout the story Kemming, c-h-e-m-m-i-n-g it's kind of like i don't i guess a psychic link to other species who have this he they he relies on their chemming powers to garner a truce between the spikes and the warbound the terms of which at this point were unknown uh so the spikes are now helping out the warbound against the emperor and his forces as they go towards Crown City, they cut the power off, but the Red King was able to energize his gladiator armor before the city's power was severed and was moments from actually incinerating ELO until Hulk arrived with an army of his new allies, the Spikes. Now, during the great battle between the Hulk and the Red King, the Hulk becomes victorious and liberates the planet from the oppressive emperor. Now the Hulk has found himself in an odd situation he has not been in before, a position as a leader of people. Also, this position is coming at a cost as the parasitic spikes agreed to help on the one condition that they be allowed to drain energy from Hulk's gamma-irradiated body. Taking Kyra as his wife, the Hulk rules and attempts to invoke a peaceful world. But for a creature who longs for nothing to be other than left alone, politics and monarchy cannot be enjoyable. And that's where we leave Allegiance. We get the big battle. The Emperor
2: falls. Um, What I liked about this one was, this is where the the Red King reveals that uh, he used the spikes, the spikes didn't just come out of nowhere, he used the spikes to uh, kill off the Old Strong because he needed uh, one of the Old Strong to be his shadow. I know he was originally,
0: I don't know if he was originally behind the attack of the spikes that resulted in Kyra becoming his his shadow warrior but we do know that for sure that he used them now as a weapon cuz he unleashed he's responsible for unleashing the spikes against the hulk and his army for sure so he's mm-hmm. he's he's had his dealings with them somehow
2: um either way you know it it results in people just wanting to follow you know more people wanting to follow the hulk it, it results in people seeing the hulk as the sarcson because you know the spikes the spikes kill you with one touch, and he's able to absorb all of these spikes, and he has stuff growing out of him. He just rips it off, and, you know, oh, no, he gets burned is what happens.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. When he was infected, I was like, oh, man, I, how is he going to get past this?
2: Yeah, and- he gets burned. They they burn him right off, and he just keeps on going, and people are like, wow, you're unstoppable. <laughs> there's, no, there's no reason why you can't take down the king. Mm-hmm. So I mean I really i I like the way that this ended i does this does this get into like them taking down the king and all of that uh, and then this is where I get the comic mixed up with the with the movie because in the movie the Hulk takes down the king and Kyra goes to kill him and she's like, you know what I'm not gonna I'm not going to kill you. And then she subjects him to the spikes, and the spikes kill him. I'm I'm fairly
0: certain. I'm going to have to pull it up and double check and make sure. But I think the Hulk kicks his ass. I can't remember how he dies, though. I'll look it up, but you go ahead and continue.
2: But, yeah, I I like the the use of the the spikes and everything. You know, the the Hulk and his warbound make their last stand against the the Red King. And, of course, they take the Red King down. Does it get much into the Hulk as king, or is that Uh, in the epilogue? That's,
0: yeah, that's in our two-part epilogue we're about to hit here. I mean, he just, he kind of takes the throne. At the end of this, we're kind of left like, okay, what's the next step? The Red King's gone. Everybody's happy. Uh, Where do we go from here? So
2: that's really all I have to say about it. I mean... I remember thinking as I read it, and this kind of why I, wa- I, I wanted to talk about the, the next two parts as well, because that's more of what stuck with me, mm-hmm. was this idea of Hulk was finally home. He You know, there's been a few times in the Hulk's career, like when he was in the Microverse with Jarella, where he had the love of his life and he wasn't on the run anymore and he wasn't being hunted, and he finally found his place only to have it taken from him. And, you know, you get when he becomes the king of Sakar. Um, you, you finally, you, you, you're you relieved for the Hulk, which I liked. And then, of course, nothing nothing ever good lasts forever with the
1: Hulk. <laughs> yeah. As far as tragedy goes, the tragic character, he's right up there with uh, Peter Parker. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I'd i agree. I mean, he, he can't find peace. It's like, and when he does have peace, something bad always happens, as we're about to find out. I'm going to share my screen here real quick, guys, and I'll show you the ending of... Uh, the where where the Red King meets his maker. I guess you would say. So the Red King has that armor. I mean, the Red King's just a regular pink skin. I guess you would say, as uh, as they are calling him through. He's here. Iron Man. Yeah, he's, he's Iron Man. Basically, he's got this great armor that needs to be charged in order and makes him this tremendous warrior. And so right here, the Hulk is just, by the way, you know, just so- stop the Earth from exploding because <laughs> the King hits this button and the Earth starts to sh- tear apart, and the Hulk like jumps down in the this magma filled crevice grabs the grabs the planet and then brings it back together, comes out of the planet. And then the well, right there, you can see, I mean, the Red King's getting ready to face this huge punch from the Hulk. He hits him right in the face. And that is the end of him. He goes flying. Oh, wait, I think he's still alive. Uh, oh no! It's those bots, That's, the wildebots. Right,
2: the, the wildebots finally take yeah, them down. Yeah, <laughs>
0: the wildebots. Now, didn't talk much about them. These these guys are like, I don't know. They've terrorized uh, the the Outlands before. Like they they, they kind of terrorize the citizens every once in a while. And they were out uh, in the woods, and I think. Hulk sent one of these robots out there to talk to him uh, during this during this whole scuffle. But anyway, the robots come back and they kill they kill him. So yeah, there you go. All right, let's get in here. Let's finish this up. Emperor Hulk now in charge. He does his best to repair the war torn kingdom, and he's even able to return the parasitic spikes. Remember, he's got this truce with them since they helped him out they aren't killing him, but they're feeding off of him. And what happens is they feed off him and then they go feed the rest of the spikes and they're happy. The way their origin is, I think they came from space. They fed off of cosmic material. Then they ended up crash landing here on this planet. And they've been a bane to the planet since then. But now the Hulk's around and he, even though it takes a good bit out of him, he's able to satiate these spikes appetite. Now he's developed a plan and he's able to actually send these spikes into outer space where they came from. Uh, so they're all excited about this. This is a win-win for everybody. Get the spikes off the planet. Spikes get to return to space. Uh, now, shortly after that endeavor, Hulk comes back down to Earth. And the ship that carried the Hulk from 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 our planet, the home planet Earth, and it crash landed on Sakar begins to deliver a warning signal so that any and all around it can hear. A warp core breach that is about to explode and potentially destroy the planet in the next few seconds. Luckily, the Hulk is able to get there and launch the ship into the sky, but it explodes seconds after leaving his hands, leveling the city, killing thousands, including his wife Kyra, who dies in his arms.
2: With a baby in her belly.
0: Oh, that's right because they they do. Mention-
3: <laughs>
0: I forgot cause she he is Prego. She looks right at him and says, something about there she was with child or something. So yeah, Holge watches his family die in his arms. So the powerful I <laughs> my tonight must been
3: something. that's it oh
0: uh, the powerful explosion! in fact the powerful explosion in fact begins to rip the planet apart magma lava boiling hot magma start to spew forth from the crevices magma. <laughs> sorry starts sharks with, with sp- lasers on them <laughs> they start it starts to spew forth, spew forth from the crevices it seems now this planet may soon meet its end the remaining Warbound were able to secure a ship and find the Hulk, who is obviously very distraught about what just happened in front of him. <coughs> and they convince him that they need to leave. When it is asked what the next destination of the Warbound will be, the Hulk knows exactly where they are headed. Ah, shit, it's on like Donkey Kong now. A return trip back home to Earth. woo Yeah. Man.
2: Yeah, Hulk, Hulk is gonna kill you. Dude, World War Hulk is the best. It is, dude. It really is a good story. Very. Five issues of The Hulk fucking everybody up. (laughs) (laughs)
3: So so I take it. I need to read it next. Oh,
2: dude.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, you do. It's. It is good, and like I was telling Ronnie before we got on here, before we went live, I read World War Hulk probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Eh, No, I wouldn't say 10 years ago. It was probably about five years ago because I got it in trade from the library. I remember when I was reading it, I was like, oh, my gosh, because it was just a page turner. When the Hulk fights, you know that it's going to be good. It usually, if you find a great artist that can convey what's going on In the battle it's fun to it's fun to read much like what we saw here i mean this was nothing but hulk fighting uh, left and right pretty much but when he starts to face off with the heroes that sent him to sakar and he clearly blames these people for the death of his wife and unborn son holy it hits the fan um mark i know you said you kind of wanted to talk a little bit about parts armageddon here was there anything else you wanted to add
2: um, well, I think it's important to note that, you know, you have these warbound characters, these people that are bonded to the Hulk. They're about to follow him to Earth to fuck shit up. Really, what's happened is he's been betrayed. He's been betrayed not by the humans, but by Meek. Um, and this is what I mean by, like, his character was so minimized in the movie that, you know, he plays such an important role here. Because the whole time, this, this is what I want to talk about. You know, Meek is using the Hulk as an opportunity to take revenge on the pinkskins, and he keeps having to be held back. He's like, but they killed all my people. We're dead. We're not going to have any more Hivelings. We are the last of this species. And so I'm killing as many of these guys as I can. Like, he doesn't want peace. This was never about, like, like the other races are willing to take what's left of this planet and try to stitch it back together again into a sort of working environment. And Meeks like, nope, burn it all to the ground. <laughs> and when the, you know, and he's looking at the Hulk, like, you know, like he doesn't really see the Hulk as a hero as a person, he sees the Hulk as an opportunity for revenge. Yeah. And so when the Hulk is like, yeah, we're not going to, you know, it's like, we're not going to have this constant civil war and we're going to bring, you know, we're going to bring civilization back to Sakar, to Meek's like, no, we're not neither. Um, <laughs> so he's like, okay, if, you know, I, if, yeah, if I have to remind you of who you are and what you are, by taking everything away from you again and reminding you that you know of the humans who betrayed you, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. Like none of that had to happen. Meek set it all in motion, which is also the best part of World War Hulk.
0: I was going to say, did that happen? Is that clear? Clearly, happened in this story where he betrays the Hulk. Because I, I might have missed it, but does does it show that happen in the book?
2: Um, I I thought it did, but I might be thinking of World War Hulk when he. Sorry, For Jason. Heels. Yeah, when he, when he reveals himself to have betrayed the Hulk. Okay. All and right, the, the Hulk was fucking crazy.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's
1: um, in World War, yeah.
0: Okay. Cuz I remember there was one spot in the book where Meek and the and Brood, I think end up in that ship, but I didn't catch anything going on that seemed hinky cuz shortly thereafter okay. yeah. the, the Hulk side. But I, I I was trying to read this as best as I could and, and pay attention to exactly what was going on and read everything, but again, a Happens to me all the time. I may miss something that's completely obvious, but anyway. Okay. So anything else there? Mark Radlich
2: go read world war Hulk,
0: (laughs) Ronnie Adams. what do you think when you, you know, you went back through this again, we just covered it here. What's your, what's your final thoughts?
1: I, I love it. Being a big fan of World War Hulk, this setup, <laughs> this, you know, you got to read this to set it up. Yeah. And it's a phenomenal story as far as, uh, you know, it's got everything. It's got love, it's got material, it's got action, it's got Hulk smash. I mean, you can't really ask for anything more. But like I said, he's a, just a tragic character that all he wants is just to be left alone. He finally found a place that he could be happy. He found a woman, you know, another woman that's taken away from him all too soon to, to love they just people won't leave him alone they won't let him be happy you know he just wants he wants peace you know when it's all said and done
0: i was really confused as to putting the hulk in the position of being a king and being an emperor i'm like the last thing that this guy wants is people bothering him
2: uh, let me take issue with that because I don't. Because the Hulk wants to be left alone because people keep going after him and like shooting him with tents. But really, what the Hulk wants is to be loved. The Hulk wants to be accepted. You know, the Hulk, the the, the, the love of Hulk's life is Betty Banner and all, uh, Betty Ross, and all he ever wanted to do is be with her, and people kept coming between them, namely her dad. Um, when he was in the microverse. All he wanted was to be with Dorella, and that was taken from him. So it isn't so much that he wants to be left alone, is that he wants people to stop fucking shooting at him.
1: Well, I mean that's, wants, what what more can you ask than that? You know, leave him alone, quit shooting at him. <laughs> <laughs> but like he doesn't want but like he doesn't necessarily want to be
2: like, you know he doesn't
1: want he to doesn't be want lonely him. alone. He yeah. He wants to be left alone he wants right? he wants them to stop picking at him all they're doing is, is poking the bear but okay you
0: know? would you are you going to try and tell me that a position of emperor or king is the right spot for someone like the hulk
1: absolutely uh, because he's going to rule with an iron fist and they're not going to bother him anyway
0: negative all you
1: all the hulk needs is a good queen right <laughs>
0: no way dude and i'll tell you why i will tell you why yeah he'll rule with an iron fist but the man will go berserk at the first hint of betrayal. oh stop it
2: okay okay well that's evident because he gets on a spaceship and goes to declare war on earth um so good point good point there but (laughs) i think you know i think in the few in the little bits that he got to be king he was showing himself to be a wise and proper king
0: but yeah. there was I, that moment where he had Kyra by his side and he looked at her and he said, "Let's just go. Let's
2: leave." Yeah, he's afraid. Dude, for the for the majority of the of Hulk and, and Banner's existence, they've been hunted. Yeah. Nothing good has ever happened to them. And fight, and so he's like, you know what, uh, you know, someone's going to pull the rug, and he ended up being right. Someone's going to pull the rug out from under us. Let's just get out of here. Let's, let you know. And she's like, no, it's going to be fine. And it might have been, except Beeks a fucker, you know, and <laughs> <they> <laughs> killed him in the arena.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, Jason Teasley.
0: Hey, are you going me. to I, I I, you've got to sit through and hear us talk about Planet Hulk, a little bit about World War Hulk. Uh, this you said this is your first real dive into reading a story about the Hulk. I mean, you're familiar with the character, but have you ever read anything else?
3: My knowledge from the, of the Hulk, straight correlation of whatever Mark Radlish tells me. OK, I mean, and I'll, I mean, it, from the comic book side, I mean, I am familiar. But me and Mark have talked in the past about <clears throat> Hulk story arcs, and he's gave me recommendations. Greed, such as Planet Hawk, World War Hawk and everything. That's, and, my,
2: that's why you smashed me.
3: Well that's, that just sounds like some cheap porno that <laughs> was made in the eighties. But anyway, we won't go into that. Uh, uh that sounds like a porn parody of hours. No, we won't go of into Austin. that means we won't go into that. <laughs>
2: The spy who smashed me is phenomenal.
3: <laughs> is and it's also a porn parody of Austin No, Palace. but anyway, but I mean, you know, I'm I'm more familiar with the crossovers that you know, Hawks showed up in, like, a, but the extension of my honest comic book knowledge of the Hawks has came in conversations with, like you guys, and primarily Mark.
0: Okay. All right. So, Mark, where would you rate Planet Hulk? you want to give us a top ten or a top five? Where would you rate Planet Hulk and your Hulk stories that you really enjoy? Oh, it's like
3: the top two or
0: three. Okay. I mean, well, I think... he's,
3: only named, he's only named three that I should read, so I mean... <laughs>
0: Well, there's there's some Hulk <laughs> moments out there. I I know of uh, a few storylines that involve the Hulk, uh, but I, none to this magnitude that I I really wanted to get my hands on and read. Go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, Jesse and I last
2: year I think talked future imperfect. That was that a was good a one. fun. That, that was a one fun one story. Too. Yeah. You know, and again, if, if you in terms of story arcs or trades, um, a lot of stuff that follows World War Hulk is really great. Like the whole world, uh, fall of the Hulks, World War Hulks, a lot of the stuff involving the Red Hulk and the Red She-Hulk, which is partially the spy who Smash made. If you go back years before that, you had the whole Professor and the Pantheon storyline. You know, there's some there's some really good Hulk stuff out there. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go ahead and pull up see if there's a list of like Hulk trade paperbacks. See if anything uh, catches my fancy. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> Crushing Crisis with a K. dot com, says collecting. Um, Incredible Hulk comic books as graphic novels has a good list here. Um, a lot of omnibuses, you know. Um, I, I would definitely, like I said, I, I would definitely try to get your hands on the issues where he's the where he's the professor. Definitely read Future Imperfect, World War Hulk, Fall of the Hulks, World War Hulks, Hulk No More. Those are all good. Don't read Hulk versus Thanos. That sucked. Oh, that's the, bad. That's that, that. That was the worst. Oh. Figured that'd be a good battle book. Nope. That negative that <laughs> that had Annihilus in it and it might as well have been it was more about like Hulk versus Annihilus than it was Thanos.
1: They played chess. Uh, what? I'm kidding. Okay. I,
2: <laughs> I
1: almost
3: would that, not, would that not be like one of the ultimate troll jobs of like a comic book. <laughs> Build up to like stuff and then like have them play chess or something.
0: Oh man. And I'll tell you, I'm looking at world war Hulk right now. And I, yeah, I remember this was uh John Romita jr. Art,
2: mm-hmm.
0: oh, man, I'm looking, there's some nice looking stuff here. Uh, yeah, well, that's next on the agenda at some point, Mark Radlich. we got to do world war Hulk. So not too bad. 14 issues in an hour and a half when me and Teasley Benjamin J. Cologne, did maximum carnage. And I think it was almost five or six hours.
3: <laughs> yeah. 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 It was but, insane. Course, we well, did it in two, well,
0: two installments. <laughs> <laughs> well that's good we, we we did good here so let's go ahead we'll get into plugs uh, uh teasley i mean are you doing anything here
3: I'm, I'm currently sitting in my oversized recliner um, watching football and that's pretty much the only thing i get done anymore because you know uh the, the married life has subdued me into becoming a <laughs> housewife so outside of that no i mean i'm I'll pop up on Twitter every now and then and chime in on something one of you guys posts, but that's pretty much the extent of my social media these days. I'm kinda of getting burnt out on it because anytime you log into Facebook and everything oh, as as a post a post that I made earlier I can attest it everything turns political and I get, I tend to piss people off. So. <laughs> well, I know it's such a surprise me. Surprise. Someone. surprise. I mean, you know, but All right. I mean, I, outside of that, I mean, you know, I follow you guys and chime in every so often.
0: Jason Teasley. Thanks for being on here tonight. Glad to have you back on here. I look forward. We, we got to do World War Hulk at some point. So please, hey, you get the opportunity. Hey, I,
3: I, currently I have a lot of free time. All right. Uh, because I'm a housewife currently <laughs> due to, Circumstances beyond my control. Uh-huh. Um, I have a lot of free time to, you know, between you know, during my wifely duties and. Um, so oh, good. So we'll I, we'll I, schedule I, I something have,
2: out. We'll, we'll, we'll have, have you back on when we work when we do the Spy Who Smashed Me.
3: Sure. Okay. Well, there'll be so a lot so of porno see. references then. I'll put the we'll show. <laughs> So I can make a lot of inappropriate porn references, no. but I'm glad you had guys had me on. I mean, it's it's been it's been great. I think it's the first time I've done a podcast with Mark since in about a year and a half. Dang, so dude, it's a good talk. It's good to me. I think the last one I did with Mark was the album, so that's how long it's been since so I've got a right, podcast man. with Mark. So, well,
0: well yeah, and we'll, we'll get back in touch. It's
3: been you. fun. Yeah, hit me up. I, I I became a fat old guy that just sits in a recliner all day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we'll do. Mark Radlich, let's get some plugs done, man. What do you got?
2: Well, depending on when you're listening
3: to this, as
2: usual, tomorrow night on the Radlich and Broadcasting Network, Robert Winfrey and Robert Cooper, presumably, will be on a TV party tonight to discuss Voltron Season 4, which just dropped this past Friday. Jesse will be discussing his favorite band in the world on Wednesday, the Marilyn Manson Heaven Upside Down Cake. Hey. <laughs> Negative. If you're, if you're listening to this on the Rattle Broadcasting Network, then this Tuesday is debut Hollywood Geostorm, Robert Winfrey's favorite movie of this year. Yeah. And he's been been
0: griping about that since it was.
2: (laughs) I cannot wait. Yeah. On the Metal Hammer of Doom, we'll be discussing the new Stray from the Path. Presumably, we'll be doing an on-trial for Halloween 3 season of The Witch. Our last uh, one for Blade Runner, we didn't do it on Thursday. We tried to do it on Saturday, and then something went ka on Sean's side, and he couldn't dial into the show. Last week, if you're interested, uh, we have a Daniel Hollywood with a Blade Runner 2049, and uh, Jesse and I discussed the aforementioned Cradle of Filth, and Ronnie's favorite T-shirt that has uh, the back that says. <laughs> no, don't say it. That's a lot of song. All right. Uh, so that's all I got right now. Guys, it's been a small slice of heaven. I'm going to bed. I'll talk to you later.
1: Thanks, man. Talk to you later. Later, man.
2: Ronnie. Yeah. Tell me all about it.
1: We have a show. There is evidence of that. It is uh, on iTunes. Uh, stitcher and tune in it's called the Scream boy podcast where we talk about nerd culture and anything you know you just have to be a fan of something and then we can call you a nerd. I tease,
0: Um, I tease you, but you are making your return, man. I, I, we are
1: are returning very soon. Uh, we're planning the show out as you know, we're going to be playing the show out. But, uh, the big thing is depending on when you listen to this, we'll just give you dates. October the 21st and 22nd, I will be in Fayetteville, North Carolina representing the Scream boy podcast. And what I'm where I'm representing him at uh, the show at will be the Fayetteville comic con. I was recently, I had the pleasure of going to the Greensboro comic-con, the very first one in Greensboro and um, was a part of a uh, trivia contest called nerd slam and um, circumstances pointed out to where uh, uh, I should have, I say should have won uh, the round I was in, but uh, did not. Uh, So therefore uh, they gave me a second chance Not a second chance, but they gave me a, uh, what's it called? A compilation prize or whatever it's called. Yeah, a a constellation prize. Constellation prize. Compilation is when a (laughs) couple of people work on something together. about a constellation? Or, you know, different works together. Uh, Constellation stars, my friend. (laughs) They gave me a, um, they gave me... Uh, a weekend pass to the Fayetteville Comic-Con. So I will be representing us there. That will be a lot of fun. And then November the 11th and 12th, I do believe, is the 11th, 10th and 11th, 10th through the 12th. I'm sorry, it's a three-day affair. I will be in Durham, North Carolina, at the North Carolina Comic-Con. So it's a three-day event uh, where there will be you know um, a lot of things going on. They have a gala at Saturday night. Which you can go on cosplay or whatever, but it's a basically a big club kind of atmosphere, dance party kind of thing. They're showing older movies uh, all weekend, such as uh, uh, Blade, Terminator, uh, Adventures in Babysitting, Godzilla versus King Kong, and a few others that I can't remember right now. But it's that I'm really excited about watching Godzilla versus King Kong with like-minded people. The one of the most Interesting things that's going on um, is that Rob Liefeld will be there, yeah, uh, meeting people and signing autographs. I suppose uh, I do want to get his infamous picture of Captain America printed off, so he will sign. See if he will sign it for me. The one where Captain America has a chest that you can <laughs> set a dinner plate on. Um, oh, jeez. He probably won't, uh, and I will probably be removed forcibly from the con. But it'll be worth it. And at the Fayetteville Comic Con, I will have a chance to meet uh, Sam Jones, who was who played Flash Gordon in, in Flash Gordon in the eighties, and Lou Ferrigno. So wow. that will be very cool. Yeah, speaking so, of the Incredible Hulk, right? So that we've got. Uh, Some cool stuff going on there. So the entire time I'm at the Fayetteville Con and the North Carolina Comic Con, I will be doing live updates from the Screaming Boy, either Instagram or Facebook page. Uh, Keep an eye on, it will probably be Facebook, Facebook Live. So keep an eye on us on social media. I will be tweeting and letting people know where where we're coming from. As far as that goes, live updates, Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun Uh, shortly after that or before that we will have definitely after after Fayetteville, uh, definitely before the Durham Con, we will be having uh, our comeback show and that will be out very soon. So uh, we've got some got some big things planned for for the old Scream Boy podcast.
0: Awesome, 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 awesome! I look forward to it, dude. Uh, again, thank you for coming on here and enduring oh, yes, man. Mark Rattelich giving you a hard time and me just popping uh, right on the back, <laughs> doing the same thing. Um, you,
1: know, you know how that goes.
0: We tried. Me and Justin Thomas tried to do a commentary on. Friday the 13th, part one, this past Friday, on Friday the 13th. Yeah. Okay. Now, here's the thing.
1: Which I tweeted out from the show and and put on Instagram that it was Friday the 13th, near Halloween. And if Jason Voorhees wasn't a part of your day, then you were very wrong. You guys went to the next level.
0: We did. We did, as a matter of fact. It is amazing. We watched... This is it was so funny. <laughs> this is how it went down. I watched that movie for the first time in my entire life, so I'd never seen Part One ever. Wow! Right? Okay. Yeah, dude. I've never seen Friday the Thirteenth Part One ever. Now I know, I know all about the twist ending, and I know all about uh, what a know, twist. What a twist! I, I know a good portion of the movie just because of pop culture itself. Sure, but it was so funny because I reached, I, I reached out to Justin and I said, "Hey." you want to do a podcast tonight? He's like, sure. What are, we what are we going to do it on? I said, well, how do you feel about doing a commentary? Uh, well, no, I didn't even get that far. I said, what are you doing right now? <laughs> and he says, I'm about ready to watch Friday the 13th part two. And I said, do you want to do a commentary on part one? And he goes, you mean watch the same thing I just got done watching again?
1: <laughs> 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 he
0: was going to try and marathon all of the Friday the 13th. And so I said, yeah, I said, let's do a commentary on it. Well, okay. So that funny bit aside, uh, I have grown to realize now that it's probably not a good idea for me to do commentaries on movies I have not seen (laughs) 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 because I am deathly silent trying to watch trying it
1: trying to figure it out trying yeah to yeah, watch yeah the
0: movie so i'm sitting there and i'm i'm trying i'm like you know it's it's not even a commentary anymore it's just listen to some guy breathe right? <laughs> while <I was> watching <laughs> the movie uh, I mean, so we cut up throughout the movie but i mean still uh, you know every once in a while aside from getting warnings from google that i'm streaming content that i'm not authorized to stream uh you know i i, I would be like okay justin what's going on here And I mean, here's I don't know if that's going to air fully on the Rattletch and Broadcasting Network. I will tell you this much, though. I think I may try something different and do what i'm going to term right now as a condensed commentary where okay maybe 45 minutes that's what i'm going to try and cap it at 45 minutes and you can just listen to me and justin cut up about the movie as we watch it so it's going to be kind of like we'll be talking a little bit about the movie and then at some point we went off on ponchos Everybody in that whole damn movie wore ponchos and they all had different color ponchos. So that became a large discussion. Like, what are you doing with your poncho? Pick your poncho up. Don't put your poncho on the floor. Obviously, you're going to die. You don't have a poncho on. Uh, Yeah, it got goofy like that. So I I can't sit here and say that I'm extremely proud of that commentary. But I will tell you that at some point, I'm going to edit the crap out of it and we're going to have what I'm going to call condensed commentary hit the airwaves. We'll see. how it goes it may fall flat on its face i don't care but it's going to get out there so anyway we did that on the 13th you can go back in the archives check out any of the old source materials we're at over like 100 and we're encroaching encroaching on 140 here pretty soon it's it's gonna be happening but yeah i'm not really going to plug much else you know you find me here on the broadcasting network usually on the metal hammer of doom did i tell you ronnie that my wife (sighs) i opened a metal hammer of doom with this one night OK, so my, it's Wednesday night. My wife, you know, says, well, you, you got a podcast tonight, you know, and, and the snide mark, remark way that she does usually because she she's jealous. But I said, yes, I do have a podcast tonight. I have a podcast every Wednesday night. She goes,
1: mm-hmm.
0: "What? Well, why, why, why every Wednesday? I said, I'm on the metal hammer of doom every well, Wednesday you night. You don't even know me. And I, I said, I've been doing this for the past year and a half. Every Wednesday, I go down to the computer and send it to the computer. And not only that, but I share the show that I'm a part of. She gets notifications on her phone that say, right. yeah, I'm going to be part of a podcast. And she looks at me and she goes, what, you're a Metal Hammer of Doom guy now? I've been that for a year, <laughs> a year. Uh, uh, well, anyway, you know, you'll have that just like Teasley's. Teasley's got a rude awakening coming if he hasn't already woke up. Now he got married. She's going to forget about you, and before long, she won't even know what you're doing every Wednesday night when you go down to the basement. So I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, yeah, I'm part of the Rydler Broadcasting Network. You can hear me right here on Source Material. You can hear me on Metal Hammer of Doom usually every Wednesday, and then uh, Screaming Boy. You. Every once in a while, I'll pop up on there. I'm usually I'm usually welcome over there. So, uh, mm. but other than that, I don't know if there's much else you can catch me on, unless I'm making guest appearances, like on Capal, the pop culture podcast. I've been over there a couple times, and I think that's about it. <laughs> I don't know if I've been on any other podcasts here in a while. But I'm at Stiznarkey on Twitter. You can follow the Source Material Podcast Twitter at SourceMatcast. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get out of here. Have
2: a good one. This is Planet Hulk. Ba, 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 da, ba, 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 Calling Planet Hulk. Da, 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 da. little intro music for yeah, you. Yeah, no kidding. We do not even have to. i do not even have to go to YouTube to search that now.
0: Incredibly.